right, my check, my check. More than Masters Podcast, host main, of course. Cross me, I got a special guest, Mr. Ken Macon in the building. Yo, yo, what's going on? How you on? doing, man? I'm fantastic. We man. meet like again. You. Oh, it's good to sit down and talk, man. D- d- different different scenario now. No more camera phone. Yeah, I got a little production, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Met this little chubby guy named Slim. Upscale. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, that though? I'm good, joke. man. Shout out Slim, man. Hey, shout out Appreciate to Slim, it, man. man. This is uh, Evolution, man. And uh, you guys really putting out a good product, man. I think it's... Uh, I think people recognize that. So yeah, we Salute try. To y'all. We try, man. We try. We try to do the best we can with our time. But Slim has more of it than me. <laughs> 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 nah, I mean, that joke is never gonna get old, is it? <laughs> nah, that's funny. Uh, but uh, dude, I said, how you doing? Just like uh, you know, I know you. Well, I want to tell the listeners again. I guess just kind of reintroduce yourself. Mm-hmm. Far like what you do, you know, where you from and stuff like that. So um, like. How would you describe what you do as far as your podcast and oh, your page sure, making man. a difference? Uh, first of all, Ken Macon, host and founder of the Making a Difference show. You know, I talk about community concerns. You know, talk a lot about politics, black politics. I do want to be specific about mm. that um, and, and specify that my politics are not uh, party or partisan politics. I care about black people. And so my, you know, I adjust my politics accordingly. So that's really the spirit of the show, uh, making a difference. It's podcasting, it's writing, it's, you know, it's freelancing, it's a lot of different things, but ultimately it's about, you know, serv- uh, service and information. Now, initially though, you you were a writer, right? Initially, sure. by, by nature. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go through that very briefly. Um, so I started, what's that? I left FAM in 2004, Florida a University. And I started writing for the Aiken Standard. Uh, so I've been, let's see, Aiken Standard. I worked at the Metro Courier a bit. Um, but long story short, I went from being a writer to getting being on the radio. Mm. And so I worked at uh, WKZK. I started there in about 2015, the same year I got married. Shout out my wife, beautiful wife. Um, so I got married. Yeah, I got married in 2015. and Beautiful uh, sister-in-law, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you ain't gonna do that, did you? Uh-huh. <laughs> may, may never forgets. That's the beautiful thing about May, man. Hey, plus he is, respect the shooter. He is shooter. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, man. Curry. <laughs> but man, got uh, got married twenty fifteen, and you know just wanted something a little more stable. So uh, I transitioned the radio show from being on WKZK. Shout out KZK. To doing something like an internet radio, and that's where the podcast began. I've been doing that ever since. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I do, you know, a little bit of everything. I've had the chance to do the podcast over the last five years. Um, it's been been great. I've learned a lot personally. I've also more recently had a chance to do some writing, you know, for you know outlets. Written some for ESPN. I've written a lot for the Christian. This been a good year for you, writing wise. I think man, it's, last it's, it's been a great in terms of, and I always say this with respect to the pandemic because so many people have died, and even beyond the pandemic, when you think about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, like a lot of folks have been able to make careers mm-hmm. off of their lives and having and them having lost their lives. So I always say, man, like pay respect where respect is due. Amar Aubrey, same energy, man. But um, so it's been, you know, it's been a year where I've had a chance to, you know, share my perspective on the world and my perspective on black politics with a lot of people, man. I think people have responded to it really well. That's what's up, man. That's what's <clears> up. <throat> so, like, what, I know you said you kind of focus on black politics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just a question I want to ask you just to begin real quick. But how tough is that when um, just kind of being uh, looked at just a staple in media mm-hmm. because now you're on one side. You know what I'm saying? So you're not really shedding light on all things politics, just all things black. 
Well, and and I'm glad you you mentioned that because what I do is is I address the world and I talk about the things that's going on in the world, going on in our country, local, so on and so forth. I just it's more about a perspective, I think, gotcha, than politics. Gotcha. So it's not like I well, I'm not gonna talk about that, I'm not gonna talk about that. I'll talk about anything. I'm just gonna talk about it in a way that's relatable and relevant to black people, which is really a perspective that you don't get, I think, in mass media. Um, even with the pandemic. <clears throat> It's uh, a lot of folks, you know, they say, well, black people get, you know, coronavirus more than, you know, disproportionately more than anybody else. But nobody told the story about statistically about frontline workers. Nobody told the story about, you know, people not being able to work from black folks statistically, not being able to work from home and how that correlated to those higher numbers. And so it's just like I said, it's really just about a lens of uh, attention to detail that. Uh, is of service to black folks. And that's, that's what I do. Hmm. So, all right. So when you, when you, when you think about just the, the pandemic uh, as it relates to black people, right. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first uh, thoughts on it? Like when it first, first happened, hmm. like back in February, March, like you think, do you think we're going to last this long? Man, I, I really didn't have an, uh, it was really like more of an indefinite thing at that time. I saw the response because not, you know, and understanding I saw the response here and I saw the response all over the world. And what I realized is that very quickly the pandemic had become politicized in a way that I thought um, things would, it would last longer than it, than it should have. Right, and right. I think we've seen, you know, across the world where other countries have, I don't want to say resolved it, but they've curbed it in a way where they've been, they've been able to go back to, you know, their daily lives and have sporting events and different things like that. What we've done here in this country is that we've politicized this pandemic to the point where, you know, we don't want to mandate masks and, you know, people say, well, it's, you know, this is a fraud or a hoax. But at the same time, we've tried to, quote unquote, go back to normal, mm-hmm. which hasn't worked in terms of when you think about the number of deaths, when you think about um, just all of these different things that are going on. And so you find yourself in a place now where we're actually starting to see record cases now. Again, yeah. But the attitude is different than it was in March. And so it's, we're in a very perilous place. I'm talking about people now about this holiday trifecta. So you have Halloween, you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas. What's going to happen? People are going to want to get out They're and shop. Gather. They're going to gather. Long story yeah. short, you know, want to be with their families. So what's going to happen? This case is, but the energy is different. So what's going to happen is more people are going to die. Mm. And I don't want to be dramatic when I say that. I'm just speaking about the facts of it. And then when you look at it proportionally or disproportionately as it relates to black folks, that's more of us being put in harm's way. There's a, and I mean, that can go a lot of different ways. Um, One of the most disappointing things that I saw about the pandemic, and I'll just share with y'all what I felt like should have happened with it. So all this start coming breaking out in March, third month. Um, There should have been a six month plan to pay adequate unemployment. Um, and what was happening with that discussion is, is that, okay, <clears throat> uh, and I really don't want to make this about Democrats or Republicans. I'm just, just for the sake of argument. We're going to get there at some point. Sure, 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 sure. As well. But I, but I, <laughs> but I, I do want to say that Republicans had the attitude of, we got to get back to work. We got to get back to work. And another issue with unemployment was they saying, well, some people are making more money um, on unemployment than they are, you know, while they're at work. I've seen that a lot. Which is not, shouldn't be an indictment on people or on unemployment. It should be an indictment of wages and the poor wages that we pay in this country. Mm. But just to say, okay, 
six months. You pay unemployment. People are making more than they've made previously. All right. So you pay unemployment adequately. You mandate masks, light mandates, just where there's a, a sense of accountability for people right. having to wear masks in public. And you do this for six months. I can tell you what's going to happen by month four, month five. Same thing is happening all over the world. You're going to start curbing the cases. Cases are going to start going down. You still got a month or two where you got a windfall where people are making more money, so on and so forth. You come back in September. What's starting in September? You got schools that are starting back up. You got college sports and all these different type things. All of these things are happening at the same time where people are going to get back to work. The morale is higher. You're going to have a roaring economy. So in September, what we should have had was full steam ahead, good energy, however you felt about the president, and well, former president now, but <laughs> however, however you felt about that man, that man would have had a lot to run on had they dealt with the pandemic um, in a way that would have served the people. They didn't. They did it in a way that served the corporations. And so mm. you have this current state of affairs that is still not helping anybody but the corporations. Man, I can lie. You you good with the words, man. The way you worded that was amazing. <laughs> I, 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 I don't I, I don't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I do, but I guess I couldn't never. I never could really say it how you say it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did want to ask you because you said something about um politicizing. Mm-hmm. Um, you were, I mean, I listened to a podcast about uh, Breonna Taylor. Okay, you also said that was something they did with that as well. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when it comes to, like, I, I think I had a hat, but like just pe- apparel, people making it on a shirt, uh, mm-hmm. it becoming. Some people just just wearing yeah. um, the the NBA player. They would just kept talking about that the whole time, right? Yeah. I thought that was that was that was a, a different way to look at it. I ain't look at it that way, you know. Mm-hmm. what I'm saying, not thinking that in due time it would just it would just be a thing. Now, now yeah. it's just something we just saying. As opposed to keep her name alive, it's just like it's coming coming common. Yeah, and people not even knowing what really happens sometimes. Uh, memification is the word that I use Meme- to, yes, yeah, word, yeah. to to describe it. And again, it just kind of goes back to. This idea of people making a career off the, off of the backs of dead folks, and I'm always if I'm gonna mention Breonna Taylor, if I'm gonna mention George Floyd, I feel compelled personally to fight uh, for a world and speak in a way that pro that proactively says we got to change this thing. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna have a conversation about Breonna Taylor, if you're gonna have a conversation about George Floyd, and you got to have a conversation that has some type of anti-police um, sentiment. And I'm going to go ahead and get this out so we can get this thing cracking. George Floyd uh, was killed in May. So in May, you got all this marching, you got Black Lives Matter, all this sentiment. We went from that in May to now in November, we're celebrating the architect of the crime bill being elected president and the vice prosecutor. What happened? What happened where we got from a point where we said, we got to do something different about the police to basically voting people who said, well, we're going, we're going to put some more money in the police. You know, we're going to look at police reforms. Well, that's, we talked about that back in 2014 with Mike Brown. We've talked about that for, I mean, for decades really with no, I mean, with no, no profound gains, no results, Mm -hmm. no difference in you coming out here and, you know, being on the wrong end of a traffic stop that none of that has changed. And I understand and like I said, I know I'm kind of going in, in, a, in a different direction. People are, ha- are happy about getting Trump out, and I understand that. Truly, I understand that. And I think there's a significant portion of us that are happy about that. But you also have to deal with, again, what does this mean for black people? What does this mean in terms of black politics? 
Yeah, nah, I, I, tell you, I, I feel the same exact way. So I haven't <laughs> been parading, but you know, yeah. it's kind of like, all right, cool, we got one out of there. But now, now we're gonna do. So yeah, oh uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, so I do wanna, I guess, because the first ten minutes were kind of deep. I'm not gonna lie, it was, mm-hmm. was, I like that though. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you, 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 you came to play. Um, I do wanna ask you. I guess we go straight into it. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, the election, right? Okay. Um, and I'm glad that we we weren't able to do this episode earlier because then we wouldn't have the results yet, right? Even we did it last week because apparently it was like a, I guess a five day uh, thing this, <laughs> this year. Twenty twenty just been, hey, twenty twenty just been a long year and everything just oh long this year. Oh my god, twenty twenty COVID counts. Hell of a year, yo. Um, now that all the COVID counts are over, you know what I'm saying, and, and we know now Trump is leaving, Biden is uh, entering. Uh, what, 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 what was your thoughts on on, on, the, on Trump's Look, first you four years? You see it, you see it bubbling up. <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on Trump's four years like Trump's four years it, it went rate, and if you had to rate his uh oh man Trump's four years there's it's there's so much to talk about oh my god I mean it's, it's disappointing to say the least but I, there's a the transition is the thing and I even now we're transitioning from Trump to Biden. I want to. I'll tell you how I felt in 2016. Actually, I'm going to go back to 2013 because in 2013 I actually went to the presidential inauguration, and I remember how I felt at that time. Um, my wife, she took pictures with Soledad O'Brien, you know, Beyonce singing mm-hmm. the national anthem. Like I felt like how a lot of people feel now in 2020 about you know Kamala Harris and Biden and all these you know this, these different type of things. That was that was my vibe. You know, I was like, yeah, we really about to make some things change in there yeah and so 2016 happened and the telltale sign for me was is that in hillary clinton and donald trump you had two of the most undesirable candidates (laughs) literally in history and they said okay well this is this is what you got to choose from and i said no i don't so at that point i was telling people i said y'all this got to be the paradigm shift this has got to be the change (laughs) Like, we got to do third party something. People said, no, 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 no. We can't, well, we, we can't get Trump in office. Can't get Trump in office. Okay. So what happens is, is that you have a candidate who wins the popular vote, but doesn't win, you know, is not elected president, mm-hmm. which is a problem in and of itself. Because if you tell me in terms of the voting process, if you, if you say one man, one vote, one woman, one vote, then how come the popular vote doesn't yield the presidency? That's an issue. Right. Which to me, and I'm I'm saying this stuff in 2016, you know, and people were kind of like boo and throwing tomatoes and stuff, and I and I, <laughs> I, I can accept that. Like I said, I can accept a little criticism, but I'm saying then we got we got to do away with the electoral college. You're starting to hear some more of these sentiments now because they've dealt with the four years of Trump. And I know I'm kind of talking around your question, but I, I really want to kind of build the conditions well, I'm, I'm, in I'm, which I'm, I'm glad you acknowledged it because you were giving me political vibes for a second. I said I don't know now, but now, <laughs> now, at, least you, at least you acknowledge it. I got you. I better ask again. Came for president, ain't it? I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely coming back to to the question at hand. I wanted to ask you though. I ain't want to interrupt. No, that's cool. Um, so, would you feel comfortable having the people pick the president? Like you want the popular vote? Hell to be yeah. Office? I've been asking that all week. I want you to explain. I'm with it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand. Sure, sure, sure. So here's the thing. Like right now, um, and I think it's, and generally is, you know, if you're in a state, um, the popular vote does, you know, you get those electoral votes. Um, I think there are, I think it's 48 states in the District of Columbia, and I forget offhand which two states it is that um, there's a different process, you know, if it kind of goes to that. 
here's my thing. Um, and people say, well, if you get rid of electoral college, um, it's going to basically be determined from, you know, by California, Texas, New York, and Florida. Like, like it already Which it, already it pretty much is. <laughs> um, Florida, well, California, uh, mostly, uh, you know, it goes blue. Um, Texas and Florida, well, California and New York mostly go blue. Texas and Florida, well, at this point, are going red. So, I mean, it's, it's still two to two in that way. Let the people decide, man. It's, I mean, to me, it's, it's as simple as if you're going to say, if you, ha- if you have this institution that you're saying, okay, well, we're going to let the people decide, and then at the end of the day, you defer to the electoral college, it does, to me, that's, it's nonsensical. So, Do you think that, is that where that comes from? People think, saying or thinking their vote don't matter because they live in like a, a red state or a blue state? When, when you say your vote doesn't matter, that now see, to me, that's a more expansive conversation. Because when you say, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say this because of what we've just seen in Georgia. Right, 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 right. Um, I think there's a way that voting can be overrated. And I'll, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Because I don't want people to get caught on, can't, what can't stand, voting doesn't. <laughs> voting is a means to an end. In a way that you say, if I vote for this person, then this person is going to help me get better health care. This person is going to help me to get clean water. And the profound issue that I have with that is, is that people should be working on that stuff now. Um, and I'll take it a step further. Right now you got Democrats and Republicans. Okay, let me start. Let me start over. Um, healthcare. Medicare for all. To me, that's the... We're in the middle of a pandemic. You need, and I think you need to take it further. I think it needs to be free healthcare. That's a whole, that's another discussion. But what you have from Republicans and Democrats is you have neither party who, in terms of their establishment, that are saying Medicare for all. You have progressive uh, Democrats that are saying that. But what's happening with this? This conversation is being had right now. You got Nancy Pelosi. You got Jim Clyburn, who was just on TV earlier today, who was saying, look, we can't take this thing too far to the left. We can't defund the police. Um, you know, we can't uh, do Medicare for all. Why not? <laughs> the, there's an As soon as May, there was a profound anti-police sentiment that shook the nation, that reinvigorated Black Lives Matter. You're living in a pandemic where over 200,000 people have died, where people have died for being turned back uh, from hospitals that had COVID symptoms, right? And I feel like right now, if you're if you got a sore throat, man, I don't, I don't know. You should be able to go somewhere and get a COVID test in 15 minutes. Yeah, because you got a rule in here. If you cough, you got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Look, not just play calls. So I'm like, well, shit, I got to go then. <laughs> Look, but there's a there's a standard and expectation that I have as a taxpayer, and I don't know, and I, I don't know if I'm talking right your question. I don't know if I'm if I'm answering if I oh, answered no, your specific question. Yeah, you answered. Okay, I just want just want to make sure. But um, I just that's that's my standard, and I'm not gonna let a politician sitting up, you know, in a with a cushy lifestyle, tell me not you can't have it. I rebuke it. No, <laughs> <laughs> I want mine. And 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 when I say I want mine, understand. Um. A lot of people, a lot of different people have said this in a lot of different ways. Muhammad Ali, Fannie Lou Hamer, I'm not free until we all free. And that's my attitude is that I see, I, I, you know, I walk in uh, grocery stores and retail places and like, you know, and I saw these people that was making like, you know, $11 an hour. And I said, those people are working in the middle of a pandemic. You're calling them essential workers. They should be making hazard pay. 
So they should be making $22 an hour. And when overtime kicks in, they should be making $33 an hour. Now, what happens is that you say, well, that's a high school kid's job. They shouldn't be making that much. Hell, you say? Again, they are working in the middle of a pandemic. It's about not just putting a title on people and then saying, well, get back to work. It's about putting a title on people and showing your respect by your wage, by their wages. That's where the respect comes in. Don't just pat me on the back. Pay what you owe or pay what I deserve. So. All right, so uh, the Trump, you didn't get back to that. Trump. But I got you. No, 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 no. We're going we to talk about it. Okay, we're going to talk about here. Trump. So Awful. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, but, but see, here's the thing for me is that, okay, so this man gets put in the office who came up with all of this uh, racially divisive rhetoric. So, I mean, we knew what the score was going to be um, in terms of the there, – there, it, would, it would divide the country in a way where some people would – be angry with Trump and rightfully so, but then other people will feel emboldened, you know, by what he says. And I think, and you still have that element. Um, I'm just trying to think about just specific ways that I can think about. Well, here's the thing about Trump is that Trump said, uh, I'm going to make the economy better. That, you didn't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, and that was the thing that he, he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make America great again. Like where, I mean, look at the country now. I mean, even if you took the pandemic out, like the uh, you have one. Um, let me make sure I do this right. One out of nine people in this country who are living below the poverty line. And this is supposed to be the greatest country in the world. Mm. Um, you have just like these profound pockets of, of poverty. Like um, and I'm not just talking about black. I'm talking about black and white people. Like where like where's the social uplift for these folks? Folks who voted for you thinking that, hey, man, Trump's going Trump was supposed to be this anti-establishment candidate. And Trump has been anything but. If anything, Trump has bolstered business as usual. Like, he's been an establishment candidate. Trump didn't drain the swamp. Trump <laughs> became a... Trump, you know, built up the swamp. Mm. And just, I mean, but there's a lot of different... A lot of um, things that happen where it's just... I, I mean, it was terrible four years. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree. I, I have seen videos, and I mean... Except I'm not, I'm, you know, the politics is not my thing. I'm not that deep into it. Mm-hmm. I, I know a little bit here and there. I know words, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, but I've seen video of people, I've seen somebody say that he's done more for black people than Obama did. <laughs> I want to get into that. I got a new laugh to post. <laughs> I like posting laughs. So. No, that's cool. I want to I wanna get into that because the fact that you can put that out there is an indictment of Trump as much as it is Obama. And I'll explain what's what, what I mean. There was a way that Obama governed that said, I can't do things for solely black people. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem because black people voted for you overwhelmingly. And there should be some type of return on investment. Um, you could look at historically black colleges. There were some black presidents who were dissatisfied with um you know, how Obama managed that situation. So it allowed a person like Donald Trump to come in. I mean, Trump had him at the White House. It was for a photo op, and Trump wasn't going to get anything done, but it was just that picturesque thing that allowed him to say, well, look, I've done more for black people than Barack Obama. It's categorically false. But um, some of Obama's failures in terms of uh, social uplift for black folks allowed Trump to come in there and be disingenuous. Mm-hmm. That's... And that and and that and we have to make we have to talk about those things. We're afraid to talk about those things because we're afraid to criticize Obama. I'm not, 
but I think black folks are. That was one of the biggest things is that, okay, back in 2016, eight years had gone by, and I looked back and I was like, well, what do we really get out of this thing? And so, outside of, you know, man, the first lady, uh, you know, they take some really good pictures together. You know, um, I guess off from Jeezy. <laughs> you, you know, you're getting these um, just symbolic things, but nothing that's real meat and potatoes. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and, I mean, like I said when people do talk politics, I think it's a it's, it's a perspective thing too. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they'll throw stuff at you, and if you don't know, if you're not doing your research, it might just sound like it might be right. Yeah. I have seen people say stuff and go down the line and say unemployment was this is that. Mm-hmm. I don't have no paper in front of me saying it was really that. Yeah. They could tell me it was anything in 08. And I, if I don't know it, I'm going to go based on what they're saying. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, the good thing about um, a lot of that stuff is just fact checks. Trump, statistically, statistically, is like one of the most disingenuous, like lying presses. Like by the numbers, like you can go back and say, I mean, just a lot of a lot of the speeches, a lot of the, you know, state and unions and stuff like that. You can say, well, the man's lying. As opposed to right now, do you think he'll go down as the worst president we ever had? Hmm. I know it's hard to say that because we had president during slavery and all that stuff. I'm talking about like you know. Yeah. Um, it's hard. I'm going to tell you why it's hard to say, because there's this weird thing we do with people now politically. It's like we reinvent them. So, like, we feel differently about George Bush than we do now because he gave Michelle Obama a peppermint. I'm going too far. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, for real. That, that, and social media do that for you, too. They'll... Right. We reinvent these people with little to no political context. So, it's just like they're just figments of our imagination. So, we get... um. Uh, civility is a word I was talking about recently. And so we say, well, this person did a great, um, you know, concession speech. And we just totally forget about this person's like voting record, like the things that they did, like understand, like George Bush, like 9-11 understood, understand what the ramifications of all of those things. And we just, I forget about it. He treated Michelle Obama nice in this one instance. You know what I mean? So those are the type of things. And so I feel like people are going to do that with Trump. My gut feeling, right or wrong, it's on the record now. So we'll see what happens. But I, I, I do want to, since you said that, though, mm-hmm. we we often talk about as a person in politics, politician, mm-hmm. however you want to call it, mm-hmm. like if they, let's say in 90, they were one way. And let's say now it's 2020. And mm-hmm. can can we can we be okay with them having different views 30 years later? Or, or should they just be like, in 91, if you said you voted for this, that's what you offer for the rest of your life because you voted for that at that mm-hmm. point. Can you not change your views that's, years that, later? That's a great question. Um, the short answer is yes, but then I'm going to use Joe Biden as an example of, of how that's that can be. Right, right, and I, and, and I understand that. I mean, I've evolved politically from 2012 to now. Like, I've seen a, a change in myself in eight years in terms of um, my standard and, you know, political affiliations and all right. these different types of things. So I there's room for uh, adaptation and evolving. What we've seen, What we've seen from Joe Biden is a history not just of the crime bill but of the comments that he's made about black folks um even just to, you know to, to say things like you know um you know you're not black if you vote for trump that's profoundly disrespectful that was wild yeah um but there's a the word there is entitlement like you feel like a certain entitlement to black people voting for you based on what <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. So you've got the, you've got um, you know Biden. You've got his history, uh, the segre- his uh, kind of cozying up, his segregationist. I know he did the eulogy at Strom Thurmond's funeral. There's just there's this troubling um, racial and almost racist history 
that a lot that people have really done their homework on and they're not wrong about. But what's happened is that we've elected this gentleman because he's not Trump. Hmm. So that's what it comes down to, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and the question you have to ask yourself as an individual is: is okay, is not Trump or never Trump? Is that going to pay your bills? Is that going to clean your water? Is that going to uh, get you improved wages? Is that going to get you better health care? That's what we're about to find out over the next, you know, uh, few months and few years. I, I have a theory. I don't think it is, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's it's, it's kind of a laugh now, cry later yeah. type of thing, and it's and it's unfortunate because well, I, we'll get into that. I'm pretty sure. All right, uh, I do want to play a game of making a difference real quick. Ooh, I like that. Love games. All right, so uh, making a difference or not, nah, you know how the game goes. I'm going to throw something out there. You tell yes, me sir. Making a difference or not, nah, all right? <laughs> oh, boy, I don't want to start with this one. Let's start with this one. No, right. start it. Start it. Uh, Biden winning the election. Not making a difference. No, no, <laughs> uh, heck no. <laughs> Here's the thing. Black man, black politics. Um, Joe Biden, what are you going to do about the police? Are you going to defund the police? No. And let's break this defund thing down. Um, because... What defund is is really a reallocation of resources. It's to say, city of North Augusta, for example, which is uh, where I reside, forty six percent of the general fund budget is spent on public safety. That's a problem. Um, there's an additional thirty percent that's spent on general government. So you're spending seventy six percent of the general fund budget. That is to say, you know, we talk talk about taxpayer expenditures and all these different types of things. Um, so that taxpayer money is basically going to the government. Mm. There's a quarter. There's less than a quarter left for public works. All these, you know, resources that will actually help people. North Augusta desperately at this time needs public transit. I see people walking through North Augusta all the time. I see people like I'll go to Walmart and do and maybe in there for an hour shopping, and I come out and see the same people. Are they waiting on a ride? What are they? I had I, and see my thing is is I'm the type of person where if I see a person. You know, and I'll just talk to them and I'll say, hey, you know, how do you feel about this? There was a young lady, actually, I had um, had a chance to talk to and I said, well, how would you feel about North Augusta, like, needing a, you know, having a um, having a bus service? And she, like, I could just tell she really, like, paused and it really resonated with her. You know what I mean? Like, that was something that... So they don't have one don't, at all. Yeah. I mean, they, they have, like, um, what's called, like, the Best Friend Express, but nothing even in the way of, like, how, you know, the city of Augusta has wow. transit, you know, which is imperfect and that's another discussion. Um, but those type of things like city services, um, that aren't provided, but going, but going back to, um, to the original question of Joe Biden, um, Joe, Joe Biden is not going to defund the police. So Joe, Joe Biden is saying, as a matter of fact, he's going to put more money into the police. So here's the thing. You go to a restaurant and you get bad service you're probably not going to go back to that restaurant, which is to say that you're, or if you go to a restaurant and you get the wrong order, it's a, there's a chance that you're going to either going to ask for um, your order to be corrected or you're going to get your money back. Mm-hmm. That is to say that if someone is not providing an adequate service, you take the money back. It's as such it is with black folks and the police. How comfortable are you as a black man in this country with policing? Are you satisfied gotcha. with policing? Not at all. Not at all. And there, there are solutions. The solution is to say, okay, um, to look at mental, to look at mental health, to look at, okay, we need to put some money in, um, the, uh, dedicating those resources. We need to put money in. I'll say it like this: 
we put money in policing with the idea of stopping crime. But crime is a symptom of poverty. So we always hear about politicians, what they say, tough on crime, tough on crime. Be tough on poverty. Mm. Because if you're tough on poverty, then you'll be tough on crime. And so that's, and that's what I want to see from government. And I understand that reallocating money from policing to anti-poverty efforts is going to reduce crime. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide social uplift for people. So that's where, and that's just, that's one piece of it. Joe Biden is in this place where, um, and I'll talk about Biden and Trump. Because what Biden and Trump have done, I'm doing this in relationship to the camera because people no, are eager. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you got Biden here and you got Trump here. And so Biden is creeping ever so closely toward Trump. And Biden is understanding. People say Biden is a Democrat, but Biden is a Republican. You basically had two Republicans running for. Facts. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. You had two Republicans running. You had Republican light. And I'm hesitant to say that just because he's hella Republican. But you have what you have is you have a, a traditional Republican, moderate Republican, and you have a far right Republican. So the whole time, Trump's taking the discussion further to the right. Now, if you really want a political balance, Joe Biden should be moving in this direction. Didn't happen. Every time Trump moved to the right. So Trump says, Joe Biden, you want to ban fracking. This is an issue of environmental justice. Biden's like, no, I don't want to ban fracking. He's moving a little bit closer to the right. Uh, You want to defund the police? I don't want to defund the police. Conversation's moving to the right. So now there's a political shift that's happening in this country that's taking everything to the right. What does that mean? You're not going to get what you need in terms of uh, reallocating police resources. You're not going to get what you need in terms of health care. You're not going to get what you need in terms of progressive things that are going to create social uplift for everybody, which is what we need now because people want to restore the soul of our nation. All these other BS uh, <laughs> rhetorical things that you get over here you know, from Republicans. And, and, and basically it's like this. Joe Biden, Republican. Donald Trump, T-Publican, as in Tea Party. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the distinction there. So, no, he, no, he's not making a difference. Not making a difference at all. I don't know. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> and people are gonna and people are gonna look at this and they're gonna say, "Ken, you a hater?" You know, because they. Oh yeah, they're gonna be angry. Yeah, be, happy right now. Because and see, that's the thing is that I understand the relief because again, you're getting rid of Trump. But it's like, what? What did you put in that? What did What did you put in that seat? I don't think, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think people are excited about Biden in general. I think people are just glad to get rid of Trump. Yeah. Biden didn't so really too. inspire, you know, confidence in folks. Um, next one I had, uh, the only talking about uh, voting the lesser of two evils hmm. in politics. Does that make a difference or not? Like voting the less, I guess, the less of the two oh, evils. Oh, voting less. No, it doesn't make a difference. It, uh, it actually, it perpetuates the status quo. That kind of what you just said, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, it, um, <sighs> I, I, this will make it, I think, make it make sense. No, I, I, I'm not exasperated. I'm just really just kind of collecting my thoughts. And I think if you see establish, and when I say establishment, because there are distinctions. Um, when you talk about Democrats, you have progressive Democrats, people like Cori Bush, the squad. People talk about AOC and these folks. They're more progressive than the establishment Democrats. Um, when you talk about establishment Democrats and we talk about establishment Republicans, you're really talking about a corporate duopoly. What I mean by that is, is that when we was first trying to get our checks, the little $1,200, the one thing that Democrats and Republicans could agree on was corporate bailouts. There was no, we know we got to take care of these corporations. Where there was the back and forth and where there was the, the delay was getting the money to the American people. What that says to me is, is that this, um, that the two-party system, and I, and I say corporate duopoly, which is to say it's like a one party, Right. they care more about 
the uplift of corporations and taking care of the establishment than they do with everyday people. people. Yeah. That's why that's why you hear stuff about like, oh, well, they're rioting. It turned like people some there's some people who get uh matter about the destruction of property than they do the destruction of lives. That's, that's where we are in this country. And and it's and I mean it's it's unacceptable for me as a black man because I know that when these conversations are had, what you're saying is is that uh this building is is worth is worth more than my life. Or mm-hmm. your life? No, never. But the question was about voting the lesser of two evils. Again, it just it perpetuates the status quo in a way that you don't get the profound social change that you need. Got you. Yeah. Uh, the last one I have for this particular one was uh, I know Slim not gonna like this one, but the Falcons <laughs> lead into the fourth quarter. Make <laughs> <laughs> I don't even watch the Falcons anymore. Hey, hey man, I wasn't here with you. I don't watch the Falcons anymore. I can. We can actually go into. I, man, I haven't seen a football game in two years. Wow. Um. I get my. And you run a sports page, and that's and it's funny that how that works. Um, because I'm doing for now. I'm kind of tell. Thank you. I'm kind of telling to myself. I'm. I get my information off of memes, uh, and kind of you know, uh, I may see something in a ticker, but sports is predictable in that way. When you talk about the and, and we'll get back to it because I, I have a unique contempt for the Falcons. I, I'll go back to that, but I think sports is predictable in a way, particularly in the NFL, where it's about five or six teams that are in it every year, right. And you may get a you know a wild card here, literally every like once in a while. Titans or the yeah, Bears. yeah. But mostly it's business as usual. You know, it's going to be Steelers, Packers, um, people. I mean, the Cowboys have they're relevant. They're not winning, but they're always going to be relevant. But you know, Patriots. You know, they're going to be teams that are going to be in the mix every year. They're going, man. How did um, how did such and such get that player for a six round pick and all the you know this this weird stuff that always <laughs> builds up and perpetuates these teams these. Right. And it's more it's the establishment type of dynamic. Um, man, if I didn't hate the Falcons so much, I would empathize. Like, you got to understand, 28-3, to 3, like, ruined that franchise. Because you were minutes away from a Super Bowl, which that franchise has been there for 50 years. And, you know, they've kind of been mediocre the entire time. But that was their moment. That was their moment in the sun. And, and the franchises, I mean... It's been like, almost like this blooper reel ever since. And I, I mean, Bomani Jones with ESPN says it best because he's actually from, uh, well, he's from Houston, but he's spent time, at, he went to college in Atlanta. And he's saying, like, get off that narcotic. And that's my thing for Falcons fans. Like, you know, you, you don't have to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> There's a better life out there. Like, you know, and I understand the local. It's you a better life. You can get, off, you can get off that narcotic, man. That's You don't have to deal with that. You ain't got to deal with that, man. Yeah, y'all deserve it. Uh, I'm loyal to the default. <laughs> Oh, you, you that person? Yeah, but I ain't I ain't about to sit here and be no super cheerleader though. So, uh, so I, I know, and we, we talk about Trump. I do want to talk about um, and I I don't know much like much much about this particular person. Just mm-hmm. stuff I looked at. I don't, I don't know what's good. I looked at the bad stuff. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna lie. Um, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Um, yeah. I said name Kamala. I guess. Well, and see, that's everybody's making distinctions about how to pronounce it. So it's comma. You know, like um. I'm trying to say apostrophe, but punctuation. So Kamala Harris, yeah, Kamala oh, Harris. Yeah, I was. I guess I was adding the blackness to it, so I probably hey, it away. But see, it's <laughs> and that's the thing about us, man. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Kamala, I, I, that sounds better. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's your thoughts on her? Like, what, what do you know about her? Like, what's what's good? What's, what's the good stuff? Because they say she's they they telling me they telling oh, yeah, me that's I'm a, main they, girl. No, by no, way. no. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fussed that about. They telling me they telling me I'm wrong. They are saying no, she's not. She's not the person you're saying she is. She she's 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 good for us. She's the first black uh vice president. Um so I female, need to know a little bit. Female. Yeah. 
her her yeah, record right. her record right. in California is um has left a lot to be desired. I want to talk about uh, Kamala as more of a an idea, mm. um, and it'll make sense once I kind of go through it. Um, I think it's important to have role models and things that you aspire to. Um, Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey, Beyonce, and I think these are women that people that people look up to, and understandably so. But it's important to understand that these people are members of the celebrity class. And so their concerns are different from the concerns of working class people. And so when you aspire as when you aspire to celebrity class, you got to understand that um, that's a destiny that is really not statistically realistic. Okay. Okay. There are women historically who have aspired toward that standard. Fannie Lou Hamer. Shirley Chisholm, which ironically enough are people now that they're trying to compare with Kamala Harris is just simply the comparison is not there. I'll give you an example. Um, and I was actually just talking about this a f- uh, about 30 minutes ago with a, a good friend of mine. I've been seeing this uh, picture of, of Kamala walking with the silhouette of Ruby Bridges. Yeah, I saw that. Wildly, wildly, wildly disrespectful, but I want, to, I want people to understand why. Ruby, uh, because if you're going to do... This is the thing that we have to understand as black folks. A racial analysis is not enough. It's tempting to say, okay, race is the thing that we have to worry about. But you also, if you don't have class analysis in conjunction with that, then you'll never understand the full picture. There's a difference in a black person make, who makes $400,000 a year versus a black person who's making $40,000 a year. It's a different struggle. So it's a, it's a different type of energy. But I'll go back to Ruby Bridges here very quickly. Ruby Bridges um, is an icon in a way that um, she's a figure of who uh, helped to dese- who helped to um, in terms of desegregation. Um, whose parents were uh, I want to say her mom or dad I forget was sh- were sharecroppers. Kamala Harris, conversely, her parents came to this country looking for advanced degrees. So there's a different um, it's a different social structure. Why is that important? And that's what people are asking me now. Um, the fight is different. The, the urgency is different. And so you're presenting, um, Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris as somebody who she's not in terms of that struggle. And I, I think you'll start to see it in, in terms of, um, in terms of policy, because again, you have a, and there's a clip of, of, of Kamala that to me describes it. She said, she says something to the effect of, well, you expect me to do, uh, to pass policy that's going to be uh, just for black people, I'm not going to do that. And so when she said that, that, that resonated with me because it kind of takes us back to the Obama thing where it's like, okay, you're black. We're voting for you because you're black, <laughs> but you're not going to do things specifically for black people. LGBTQ community get stuff specifically for them. Hispanics, DACA specifically for them. I can tell you what I want that to be for black folks. I want it to be reparations. Mm. And based on, and, and the Biden administration owes black people in a way, when you, when you look at Atlanta, when you look at Fulton County, when you look at Clayton County, when you look at Detroit, when you look at these, it came down to these black populaces, these, this like concentrated like uh, black um, voting pockets that got you in the seat, that clinched it for you. How do you pay those people back? With a pat on the back? Or are you going to actually pass policy that's going to close the racial wealth gap? Because that's the thing about reparations. 
People say, ah, reparations will never happen. And it's like this. Black folks want reparations, but this is part of going back to voting for the lesser of two evils. What voting for the lesser of two evils does is that it desensitizes you to the fact where you, to the point where you don't have political imagination. Reparations isn't just about the money. It's about analyzing history in a way. And I think we've gone through this before. Yeah, you talk about it. Yeah, but I, but I, don't, I don't know if Slim hit. I'm just going to do this for Slim. Just for Slim. For, just for Slim. It's my brother. You got time. We got time. <laughs> uh, black folks, we're over here. They said the first black uh, or African uh, enslaved person was brought over here in 1619. So slavery uh, took place from 1619 to 1863. We had the Emancipation Proclamation that was signed, um, which there's a reason why we celebrate Juneteenth, because it took Texas two and a half years to um, have that freedom, the, you know, that freed the slaves. 1865, uh, that was June 19th, 1865 um, in Texas. The January prior, the January 1865, the 13th Amendment was already in the works. Congress had already signed off on that 13th Amendment, which says, hey, you're free unless, unless you're convicted of a crime. Then you're basically a slave. So there's no, so we're going from, so that, understand, where's the freedom? So we're going to, we'll leave that there. Slavery, Reconstruction, Jim Crow. War on drugs, prison industrial uh, complex, us sitting here in this room right now. Where's the break for black folks? When, when is there a period of time in there where you can say, man, black folks had it good? The only thing you have is you have this, um, you know, this, I mean, historical timeline of perpetual disrespect that has only widened the racial wealth gap. You got uh, the average, um, the median wealth of a white family somewhere in the six figures, like $100,000. For black folks, it's, less than $10,000 and that gap is getting wider all the time. There's got to be a federal program that restores that equity. Equality is one thing. Equity is something entirely different. What we need as a people is equity. And I know I went a uh, long ways away, but I just, I wanted yeah, to convey that. Picture. That's a yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just want to convey that in a way where people understand why reparations is needed. It's needed because of the traditional and historical disrespect of black people, but also because there needs to be a restoration in terms of the racial wealth gap. And then once you get that, then you can have closure. People say things like um, post-racial America. You're not going to get that if you don't get, um, if you don't get equity for black people. And it's, and again, it's, it's going to take more than a lump sum of money. You gotta, there's just a lot of different, you know, elements of forgiveness that's got to be placed in there. So but I mean, and I guess too, like all in all, like when it comes to uh, you know uh, Kamala uh, Harris, mm -hmm. like what do you think about the two joining forces? Oh, and I, I asked her because question. you know she ran to to be in that spot, mm -hmm. and we all said no, like no, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> and he just went and grabbed her, like, hey, you, I got, I got, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I thought that was, I was odd. I, I, I wanted him to get a different candidate. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I, mm -hmm. I did want him to get a different candidate. So what are your thoughts on, on them two like, joining forces and how how, how you think that's going to be for the actual, um, I guess, for the Democrat Party? I don't know how to feel about them because I've never really seen them together. I feel like it's just, it's a marriage of convenience. Mm. Um, Do we need that in politics, though? No, absolutely not. Um, because it's just, it's kind of like, well, what's going on behind the scenes? It's that type of thing. You got to remember, um, during the, um, what was that? No, I'm trying to say the, uh, 
the word escapes me, but there was a um, the primaries um, when Kamala and Joe were going back and forth on that stage. Exactly, exactly. And she actually challenged him on his busing record, um, which is ironic because as we're sitting up here and we're looking at this, um, you know, Kamala with the silhouette of Ruby Bridges, like understand the irony of that is, is that Kamala challenged, Kamala challenged Joe on that, on that history. Um, so she said, well, Joe, you know, do you still, do you still believe in this? And, you know, there was kind of a back and forth. I think Joe finally apologized for it, but it was just one of it, but it was, it was a sore spot. So you go from having that, um, discord to now saying, well, I trust this man. I'm a, you know, we're going to, um, get on the same ticket, you know, and we're going to win this thing. I think there are some ideological differences there that have not been ironed out. Um, and I don't think they're going to be ironed out because I think this whole thing is about the word that they're using is unity, but it's really just a compromise. Right, right, right. And so, uh, and, and, and that's what concerns me about, and that's where I'm really just kind of with the Biden and Harris tickets. It's kind of this laugh now, um, cry later type of thing. Like there's going to be celebrating now, but I think what you're going to get, for lack of a better term, is you're going to get a more civilized Trump. Mm. And it's gonna be it's gonna be civil, but the politics as usual are still gonna exist. There's gonna be a lot of pressure on the Dems because I I would it would be great if they could flip the Senate, but I don't think they're gonna flip the Senate. And so that's gonna give Democrats an excuse to not govern in the way that they should govern. I would love for them to get the supermajority because I want them to be held accountable. You can't say, well, the Republicans are holding us back. No, you got the House, you got the Senate, you got the President. Let's go to work. Put this, you know, put it like, let's put this thing in overdrive. Same energy that, you know, that the Republicans had. They're not going to be able to flip the Senate. So what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell, power couple, you know, uh, making concessions and, hey, let's let's work together, (laughs) you know, and the stuff that they're going to put forth is not going to be good for the American people. Um, We're not going to be good for black people. I, I, now I, I do agree with that, and I, I think that also it's. I looked at it as he they kind of got her as a running running mate to help him to get more votes too. People yeah, to get vote, to get the black vote. People sure. going to vote not for Biden but for mm-hmm. the first black vice president. We like the first. We like hearing the first black. Who they're saying thing. who might be in, you know because Biden's kind of I mean he's breaking down. Yeah, with, with the with the with the I guess that's sad, but the hopes of him passing so that she can become, <laughs> right. become president. Right? How old yeah. is he? Seventy eight. So he might actually, he might actually get eight years just off that alone. I mean, <laughs> um, depending on how good or bad they did within these four years, how ma- how they can mask these four years. Mm-hmm. That's all it's about, really, right? Um, you mentioned something in the text we had, right? Um, and I thought it was dope. And I want you, I want you, to, I want you to kind of talk about that on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was important. It was a, it was a talkers versus doers. I don't know if you remember you were saying something about that. Talkers versus it was, doers. It was, and you were saying that you, you know, you had a, a back to school drive. And that it was it was good for y'all to do it without oh, bringing up politics. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. When you gotcha, start gotcha, bringing gotcha, that gotcha. up, but you said people relate to the doers for a certain reason. You can't. It was something you said. I know it was dope. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a, I want to shout out community organizers in that way. Um, a lot, of, and even just with what I do in terms of making a difference. You know, I can say you know different things and and talk about things politically and you know from a certain perspective, but I think it resonates with people more when they see me out in the community. I've had a chance to uh, organize with some uh, some guys in North Augusta. Uh, shout out, giving back to black. Um, and so we had a chance to do like a back to school drive. Uh, we're actually doing a turkey drive here in a couple of weeks. That's um, what you said. Yeah, you just said that back to school mm-hmm. drive. You said um, 
So you you just pretty much said that. Uh, oh no, I remember the conversation. Okay, now I'm okay, good. Okay. I'm good. Right. Yeah. Um, because what I was basically alluding to, and I we, we had a chance to kind of talk about the Black Panthers, right? Um, and what I was saying was is that it you're able to what, what you have to do in terms of community outreach and even building political coalitions in a way is that for me it's something that starts locally and it's something that you build upon. There's a temptation uh, for those of us. I mean, just really anybody who wants to kind of make a change, you want to say, well. Uh, I want to say something to Donald Trump or I want to say something on the state level. I know for me, myself living in North Augusta, um, the Aiken County Democrats I'm disappointed with right now because I looked at my ballot and there were a lot of unopposed Republican seats. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to come back to the back to school thing later, but I just want to make this um, general point. There's a way that you have to hold people accountable on a local level before you can hold them accountable on a state level federal level, and so on and so forth. But you have to build those coalitions locally. And the way that you're able to build those coalitions is by the people in your backyard knowing you. How can you start a movement if the people don't know you? How do you get the people to know you? That's where the back-to-school drive stuff comes. That's where the turkey, you know, those, uh, turkey giveaways and those different type of things come in. Because at the end of the day, it's got to be about some type of community service and helping the people out in the community. Why? Because we've already established that the government is not helping them. If all things were just and fair, the government will look at homeless people and say, this is an indictment of our government. This is a failure on our part. So we should fix it. But they don't. They just say, hmm, they're just victims of capitalism. And so what happens is, is that you get good people who, I mean, are not rich by any stretch of the imagination. They're just compassionate. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they help these folks. Um, there's a group in Augusta. Shout out uh, Black, B-L-A-C-C. They um, feed the homeless. Um, and they do so with uh, with pretty good frequency. Because if I was rich, I, you know, we feed the homeless every day. I mean, it's not like they only hung, hungry on holidays. <laughs> you <laughs> know what I'm funny, saying? Not funny. No, I mean, I know you're not, but you just, you know. But it's, I mean, that's that's a serious thing. It's, I mean, I I eat two, three times a day. How about y'all? Oh, I thought three. Yeah. So, I mean, we're saying, I uh, see so you looked over there at Slim. He ate once today. I didn't know he said, <laughs> oh, I'm going to eat again. Okay. Slim trying to lose weight, so I don't know. <laughs> Slim, I, but see the way Slim says it, he's like, um, it's just kind of a mind thing for you. We're just like, okay, I got it. Now I lost thirty pounds. He's thirty years yeah. old now. That's over with. He th- he thinks it's like that. It's not like wow. That. Yeah, I looked in the mirror the other day and seen them scratch marks. I said, "What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping up on you, buddy." <laughs> oh man, not young no more, man. It's <laughs> over for me. Yeah, we gotta get a regiment now. But no, and that's the thing that I think is missing in politics is compassion. Um, you have to govern with that type. You have to govern with compassion, and you just you don't get that, and that's why so many people suffer. <laughs> All right. So you had mentioned um, the local elections, and I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, how important you think it is to is it that is that more important than the actual like presidency? I, I would say so. Like maybe local voting locally and knowing your local. I mean, uh, all elections are important. I'll tell you the profound uh, distinction and why I prioritize local elections, and then. As you build your, you know, political awareness and infrastructure, you start local, state, so on and so forth. And the reason why you do that is because, again, if you got a problem with Donald Trump, isn't, there's no getting access with him. Right. It's virtually impossible. Uh, you know, you can tweet him back or, you know, however that, that works. But uh, you're elected official here in Augusta. You can actually go to the commission meeting and after the meeting, you can walk up to that person and say, hey, this is a problem that I have on my street, so on and so forth. It's, uh, it's, it's about... It's about awareness as much as it's about access, and that's but that's what I wanted to ask you. And I, I'm, 
I don't know if you have that information, you know, off the back of your head like that, but mm. I did want, I want to do that with somebody. I have a video of what, cause I don't think people know what days they can go, what days these meetings are, uh, what time it is, where they can go, because they, I, I don't know that. That's stuff you can just go to. It's not just for them. It's for everybody. You yeah. can go there. And I'm going to try to put something, put something together so somebody can actually say what it is and just put it out there, because I think that's, that'd be a dope piece of information for people to have. I'll, I'll say it in general. Um, A lot of this stuff... You know, if you live in Augusta and you want information on when the commission meetings are, just go to AugustaGA.gov. A lot of that information is readily available about when the commission meetings are, who your commissioner is. Um, you can go to the Secretary of State website because I know a lot of the, a lot of folks, you know, want to look at their sample ballots. Um, as a matter of fact, shout out Georgia, y'all gotta y'all gotta vote one more time here. Yeah, yeah. Um, January fifth. If you're watching this and you are um, not registered to vote. You can still, uh, if you register by December 7th, you can actually vote in that January election. So um, I'm actually working on some things myself because voting for me is not, and this is what happens with voting a lot, and this is where you get into the whole lesser of the two evils bit, is that it becomes more about brand loyalty than about actual empowerment. Mm. And so I think voter empowerment is about um, letting people know that they have political options outside of the two-party system. I think that's a part of political empowerment. Um, and I think there's a way that a voter's issue may be, well, I'm having some challenges. I'm having, like, we got to hear what voters' concerns are. A lot of people, voters, voters' concerns are crime. I get that. Poverty, is that an issue? Childcare, how do you feel about the school system? All these different types of things. We have to listen to what people are saying. And I think that's the way that you can help, um, that you can facilitate policy as well. All right. Well, I, I I did. I I needed to end with another make, another making a difference because I had more. Let's do it. Um. So I want to end with a making a difference or now. Now the first thing I'm gonna say is making a difference or now. Augusta has a black DA now. Oh man, shout out Jerry Williams. Um, that's making a difference. I like that. I like that. Reason why I'm saying that is, and not just because I had him on the show. I think it's important when, and not just because he's well, yeah, because he's black for one. <laughs> yes, let's keep it a buck. Um. But the man has policies and aspirations to – there's two things that he's doing I think is really important. The first thing that he's doing is, is that he's saying, you know what, um, he's introducing a spirit of benevolence um, and criminal justice that's sorely needed. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need a definition on that. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Um, Never heard that word before. No, no, no. That's cool. That's cool. I'll explain it. Um, grace. There needs um, – you have low-level offenses and – Again, because society wants to be tough on crime, we throw people in jail and we lock away the key. Uh, and, you know, we throw them in jail and, uh, look, I'm trying to say uh, throw away the key. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right. And let me let me say this for a second, because there are there is a liberal movement on decriminalization. So we're looking at Oregon, and I don't know if you guys heard about Oregon. They've uh, mm-hmm. decriminalized the small amounts of heroin and marijuana. Uh, now, here's the and catch. I did say that was going to happen. A couple months ago. Yeah, I remember that. Good call. Yeah. He did say that. Do you know what the black population is in Oregon? Yeah, it's like less than 10%. It's 3%. It's less. It's like 2.9%. And so what I'm saying by that is, is that you have an overwhelmingly white population that you can say, oh, we, we can decriminalize drugs over here. What would that look like in Georgia and South Carolina? Mm. If you had that same type of, you understand, you understand what I'm saying? Right, I get it. So it's, um, it's things like that. But going back to Jared, um, there's, a, there's a grace that he's, uh, introducing to say, you know what, you might have made a mistake, but we're not going to. Um, it's not going to define the rest of your life. Right, right, right. There's, 
man, there's when I think about the injustice that's been done in terms of just the you know uh, criminal justice system, and like I think about okay, so let's say we okay if you're in let's say if you're in jail for a low level drug offense, and let's say we we gonna we gonna we let everybody out low level drug offense. All right, you let them out. Where are they going? Where are they gonna work? Um, you know how how do you integrate them back into society? And so, to me, I think you need reparations for that. I think there's there's got to be a way because it's gonna take time for these folks to get yeah, back into the yeah, yeah. to right. get back into the system. Because if you don't, what's gonna happen? They'll probably reoffend. Statistically, back the block. that's it. So it's just again, it's it's about compassion. That's and that's that's another word too. I feel like Jared is is really um you know he's saying I wanna uh, what's the thing he said he said I wanna um put kids in uh, like class he wants kids in classrooms not cells. He was saying you know um not being corny. I like I liked a lot of the ideas he had though. Like, yeah. Not I know he was black obviously that helped, but when I watched a lot of the video that was going on before time time to vote and stuff like mm-hmm. that. People kind of saying, you know, have more, have more, have more. I thought we'd do it, have more afterwards than have more before. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to, I didn't want to push too much. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I want to have it when, when time is right. Yeah. Um, that's just what I like to do. Unless somebody asks to come on, that's just different. But for me going to outreach, yeah. now I don't necessarily do that until you in the seat or something like that. It'll be a very compelling conversation. He's a uh, young man who, you know, thinks well on his feet. And he definitely has a perspective. Yeah. People might mention me this morning a whole paragraph about why I should have more on the podcast. I'm going to try. Okay. I don't know him. You know what I'm saying? So I, I never spoke to him. Yeah. But I hit Jarrell up and Jarrell said he's going to you know, do the rest. So we'll cool. see from there. Yeah, he's very accessible. Uh, he was. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm saying he is. Okay. I feel like he is. It's, busy, yeah. busy, it's a busy time. I've seen him at Evans every other day. Well, he had signed up and well, talked to people. Sign is over with. Let's talk, about, let's talk about that for a second. Because the temptation should have been for him to just say, I'm just going to focus solely on Richmond and focus on Burke. Uh, because Richmond has mostly black population, right. I'll say. Burke County's about 50 50. Columbia County, I mean, you ride down Washington Road, it's Trump, Pence, Trump, Pence, Trump, Pence, Kelly Loeffler. It's only like four or 5,000 people in Columbia County, right? No, it's significantly more. But I'm, but what I'm saying is not just in terms of the inclination for them to vote, you know, us, uh, oh, okay. you know, vote Republican. And But he was in Evans, you know, pounding the ground, you know, um, just committing to a grassroots campaign and just saying, look, I don't care how these people vote. I want them to see my face. I want them to know my platform. And that's commendable. You ran a hell of a campaign. Deserve yeah, to win. Dope. Um, the the last, well, not the last one, but the mm-hmm. next one I had for the Making a Difference or Not was um, local elections. Voting locally. Mm-hmm. Making a difference or not. Oh, making a difference. Making a difference. I want to shout, shout out Dr. Patricia Hanks in North Augusta, who, for all intents and purposes, was a political unknown. She's ran for District 4 school board. Uh, against uh, the incumbent, who's Keith Liner. And, you know, didn't do too much in the way of signs, but just, you know, and I, I, again, I had her on my show, and she had some really good ideas. And it's just one of those things where, again, uh, North Augusta in, as a whole has a 77% white population compared to 17% black. So you're kind of thinking, okay, well, it's a mostly Republican-leaning town, right, blah, blah, right. blah, so on and so forth. You kind of think they'll just stick with the incumbent. Funny thing happened. She won. That's dope. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you got to try locally. That's like I said, I would talk about the Aiken County Democrats earlier. That was my angst with them is that you didn't even put people in the place to try to win. <laughs> Local elections are, I mean, they're hella important. Augusta has a lot to be proud of, man. I know they're proud of Jordan Johnson. I know they're proud of Francine Scott, mm-hmm. LaJoy Williamson, Jerry Williams. Um, 
history making. I think, you know, and we say history making in terms of, you know, maybe the first black and different things, things like that. Um, and those things are certainly commendable, but I just want to encourage them to not fall into that, you know, this, the symbolism of it, go in with a mindset of there are things that need to change in Augusta and, you know, for black people, you know, anti-poverty measures, not, you know, I understand the temptation to be tough on crime, but, um, be compassionate on people who are going through some things and y'all. And I mean, you tell some very compelling stories on this podcast, man. Um, you've had people on here who, you know, have spent time in prison for an extended period of time. And you've humanized those people in a way that I think it just kind of, it reiterates the importance of folks like Jerry Williams of platforms like Jerry Williams, where we're saying, you know what, we're not going to lock you up and throw away the key. We're going to have compassion. Right, right, right. Uh, the last one, of course, like <laughs> I always do, uh, making a difference on uh, making a difference podcast slash page on Facebook. Oh man, that's one of the hottest. That's one of the hottest pages on <laughs> Facebook. No, I'm just wild. No, um, I do want to shout out uh, just everybody who follows that page on Facebook. You can get there at facebook.com backslash making m a k i n a different show. A lot of different uh, conversations. I am a person, as you guys have heard on you know on this in this discussion. I don't pull any punches. There are things that need to be said from a black political perspective. Um, that's not, uh, you know, part, uh, that's not partisan politics. Mm-hmm. It's about us. And those per, uh, perspectives need to be presented. That's something that I'm proud of that we do on the page. I try to do so in an informational way, but I also try to do that in an entertaining way um, because I understand that people are in a lot of different um, spots politically and ideologically. And I try to respect that. Hey man, that's dope, man. I, 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 like I said, I think that the main goal I wanted to do today was kind of, kind of just uh, give me a second, wait, I'm coming. Kind of just uh, talk, just talk about talk to you about politics because you talk about politics a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you normally talk about all the candidates, talk with most of the candidates you can to kind of give people a clear view of who they voting for or mm-hmm. who they want to vote for. I think I think it's dope because if you're not into news like that, but you listen to podcasts, you still get a, a good glimpse of that person, whether mm-hmm. you like them or not. Because it's time I listen to people on your show, I'm like, okay, that's I don't like I don't like what they said here. You know what I'm saying? And we have, <laughs> right. we have a conversation, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what did you like? What did you like? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about stuff like that. So I think that's dope. It just, it, it's another outlet to kind of help you choose like who you want to vote for or what you like about that person and whatnot. Um, and I think that you talking politics on this show today, especially stuff you were saying, probably going against what everybody else is thinking right now. Yeah. But it made sense. So I think that um, that also going to drop you to your page and to your podcast and I, and I honestly look forward to the dialogue that you know that you guys will have on your page and I'm pretty sure I'll mix it up with some folks respectfully Definitely. you know of course but I just want people to know where I'm coming from because the intent for me is social uplift for black people not you know black people who graduated from HBCU um, not black people who you know live on this certain part of town I'm I'm here for all of us Right, right. So that's 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 my passion. That's that's where my politics come from. Yeah, this conversation was definitely dope because I'm gonna be honest. I listen to everything that Ken puts out, and I probably agree with half of the things he said. <laughs> but today, I was like, oh, he's spitting <laughs> for real. And I know he sees some of my stuff, and he'd be a little, he'd be like, whoa, Slim. Like when I put the video out about uh, the defund the police thing, I wasn't even talking to the clip, and he was like. Uh, Slim, I need you to uh, research this a little more. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I ain't even say my part. That was homie part. Oh, you said, mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, He sent me links. He DM'd me. He was like, you need to read this. You need to read that. I was like, bruh, I didn't even say that. That, yeah. Was, that was, yeah. Nah, that's dope. And we always talk about your podcast and just saying, like, we like how you put that finished product out there. It's like, yeah. like no other, like how you illustrate. It's just dope. Yeah. All it around. You step your it's game dope. up. It's kind of like, 
Um, I've been real lazy lately, so I ain't been doing a lot of reading. I've been listening to audio books. When I listen to his podcast, it's like an audio book. Word, word. That picture you paint is amazing. From start to finish, even though even like when you stop to go to commercial and all the ads, it's all it's all amazing, bro. Yeah. So keep up the good work, keep doing what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? As you see, I got notes. I always tell people you you start me doing this, you know what I'm saying? I did, <laughs> yeah, you just told me I did about that. Matter of fact, I still got the, the notes from the last podcast Yo. we did. Right? That's, that's crazy. I can't find it right now, but it's in here somewhere. But yeah, it was, it's a dope podcast. Dope, you better my notes. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I was gonna say in the same breath, man. I there commend y'all. Yeah, <laughs> The thing that you guys do is you and you you're being modest. I think Slim's being modest when he's saying being lazy. Y'all put out hella content, man. We try to. No, try man. To. I if I put out if I put out as much content as y'all, oh my God. And I always say because you know, and people may make excuses, but the fact remains, you guys love your craft. You love what you do. It doesn't matter if it's the job, if it's the job, if it's, you know, other endeavors, if it's your kids, you guys commit yourselves to, you know, uh main and slim, more than the masters, all these different type uh, you know sit downs with Slim, all these different types of things you guys are doing. It's just, it's commendable, man. And as long as y'all keep working on y'all craft, man, it's just going to keep getting bigger and better. Well, definitely appreciate it, man. Um, this was dope. Thank you, Slim, for coming through. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> and just plug your um, podcast, your page, and all that stuff, man. Oh, for sure. Man, so it, uh, sound, I'm on SoundCloud. It's uh, Making a Difference, M-A-K-I-N, A Difference. If you're on Spotify, iTunes, you can just look up Making a Difference and pull up the uh, the, man, the last podcast I did I was that was so dope. I, did y'all get a chance to hear Polar Cap, the one about Ice Cube? Nah, nah, yeah. Yeah, check that one out. That's dope. Oh, I'm checking that out tonight, then. Okay. Um, hey, I got check on Cube, man. Look, I, <laughs> man, I thought y'all was going to ask me about Cube. I, I can get into that in a second. Um, Facebook.com backslash making a different show. That's the Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter at difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, making, M-A-K-I-N. I tell people all the time, support black independent media. What you guys do is black independent media. Y'all say what y'all want to say on the show. Y'all don't have to answer to anybody. That's important, man. Because a lot of what you see, like, in terms of just mass media, like, you may see somebody saying, well, this is what's going on tonight in Washington, but they might as well be reading off a script. You know what I'm saying? There's things that they can and cannot say. What you hear on my show is me. And what I hear on you guys' shows is you. So I respect I respect the hell out of it, man. So I appreciate y'all, man. Nah, definitely. That's dope, man. Dope. All right, man. Morning Masters Podcast. We out. Mm-hmm.